What they do want to hear is terms that are related with your brands in terms of how trendy it is, how cool it is, how innovative it is, how is it redefining that subcategory and so forth. Those are good keywords. Plus, Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven figure sellers. To get a 15 day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers. Now, if you're an Amazon-focused seller, you're direct-to-consumer, and even if you've got your own Shopify site, you're direct-to-consumer as well. And what we're talking about today is taking all of the work you've done in developing a beautiful product and setting up supply chains and potentially selling your product business-to-business. Not an easy call, but if you can get it right, can be very, very big business. And today's guests are really expert in this, so we're talking with uh, Taylor Uffer and Daniel Schneider. Daniel Schneider and uh, is the co-founder of AnyBiz, which is a lead generation platform, which puts everything in one place to find prospects for your business-to-business sales, send emails, and get positive replies, and is basically set up for those who know nothing about email marketing. So quite a sweet piece of kit we will be discussing. First of all, Daniel and Taylor, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us today, Michael. It's a Thank pleasure. you. <laughs> Yeah, good to have you here. And uh, we, we finally made it through tech issues and, and me screwing up the intro. So uh, here we are. And let's talk about business to business. First of all, why is business to business even something we should be discussing? Surely we've got enough on our hands running a direct-to-consumer site or direct-to-consumer Amazon-based business. I'll try to collect an answer for this one. A lot of sellers, are, most of the sellers from the e-commerce uh, section, or Amazon sellers, they know B2C, like sending well, shipping and, and, and selling one by one. But when it comes to B2B, the pricing that you're going to get is obviously lower than the retail price because it's going to be a wholesale price. But then you're dealing with volume. And when I say volume, I'm not talking about hundreds or thousands, but about much more than that. And just think about your product that you're already selling, starting to sell in volume, then instead of whatever, picking uh, whatever, five to $50,000 a day or whatever, even more, you can pick this up in a single order. So obviously there's a lot of things to do, you know, around that purchase order, if and when you get that, but then the volume and the margin that you're getting is huge. But that's just the first economic, I would say, benefit. The real benefit of going to retail and going to business is by having your brand doing a huge jump in terms of recognition in the market, because when you approach through Amazon or through your Shopify or whatever, Walmart.com or all those platforms, when you approach the market, you have some kind of a limit of the population that is being exposed to your brand. But once they see you also in a store, in another store, in another store, then is when your brand 
becomes a real brand. It is a real name that gets a recognition and people start knowing it. And then you have a story about your brand because they're not just selling. They don't just meet you online. They meet you in other places as well. So those are the two huge benefits that I see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think also there's, for me, a third element, which is just uh, security, any single channel dependency, whether it's a single source of any description in your business, whether it's a single source of sales, single source of traffic, single source of supply, et cetera, is a, is a weakness and a potential point of a danger. That's another one. But yeah, the economic benefits, I guess the primary motivator for a lot of us, but you're, you're right about the brand recognition. It feels like a quotes real brand, doesn't it? If you see it in a store. So Daniel, tell us a bit about yourself. So uh, Taylor, we've uh, had on before, uh, obviously a great expert in the B2B space. Uh, what's your story, Daniel? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Everything started uh, as an Amazon seller. I was selling on Amazon for six years, I think. All the methods like uh, dropshipping, FBA, private label, everything. And some of the time it went very bad. Sometimes it was super good and everything was amazing. And one day when I sourced the product from China and made my brand, made everything expert. So what happened in this point, everything went well until a lot of competitors came in and then I decided that I need to make a change. What should I do now? Because I had a stock of thousands of products in the US and what should I do now? And then I met the Lord and the Lord taught me uh, how to do that uh, and to sell my product that sits in some warehouses in the US, sell them to a physical stores across the US. And this is a story and this is where uh, everything started. The Lord taught me how to do that. I, I managed to sell product to more than 60 stores across the US and also in Europe and, and Australia. And then I figure out that I do I, all the job manually. And then I started with Anybiz. How can I do the manual thing? How can I automate it? This is the point where I left. Uh, the Amazon business and started with this startup with softwares and this is my story. Okay. So it sounds like you basically had the problem of stock sitting around while your competition was eating market share. And then your solution was getting offline actually, which is, uh, kind of feels counterintuitive, doesn't it? A lot of us get, get very arrogant in the e-commerce space. Oh, everything's going digital, but there's still this thing called shops, which people still go to. I think it, it's, uh. It's a non-obvious opportunity for a lot of people. And that's very interesting that you found that as a solution to that problem. So we're talking about communications then. Obviously, the, the software you've created is there to solve the problem of communications, whether you're doing it manually or using software. And there's always an element of you have to understand it before you use software anyway. How do we even go around this business then? We've got a bunch of stock or, or we've got a, a product and a source for it and we've got our branding and presumably you've got to have a few things in place, which I know that Taylor, you and I have discussed separately before. So how do we go about actually finding anyone who's going to talk to us about this? What's the first step? So basically, if you want to do that manually, this is what you should do. Basically, you need to understand what stores will be interested in your product, whether there are pet stores, office stores, any category. So you are Google it, you start Googling like office stores in Chicago, Illinois, and you see probably a, a long list of, of potential stores that can maybe buy your product. And then you go uh, website by website, trying to find the email, collect the email to some an Excel file, and then you start sending manually one by one all the emails and say, and thinking about the message, Hey, what should I write now? But you, you send them the message. 
hey, hello, I'm having this product or would you be interested in it? Or what, do you want to hear more about it or something like that? And then if you didn't get an answer because a lot of reasons you need to follow up and yeah, and hopefully you get a reply after a lot of manual work, you get a reply and uh, with this reply, you continue the communication, make a phone call, uh, make the Lord taught you previously and, and then you sell them tens of pieces, 100 pieces, I don't know, thousands of pieces according to your product as, and it's, it's something if your product is good and people are buying it in, in the store, you can sell them again and again. And it, this is a very good business actually. Yeah. I like that. That's a, a very good point that you get repeat business in any business model is very valuable, but when repeat business means they're buying thousands of units per time, that's a sweet business yeah. model for sure. So tell me a bit more about some of the nuances of this, assuming we're doing it manually, but again, even if we use some software, there's no substitute for understanding. What do we do with the targeting of the businesses? First of all, do you fine tune that or is it scattergun to send thousands of emails? What's the best approach in your experience? The best approach is to make it like to send as much as you can, because uh, the only resource we don't have in life is time. So you need to send as much as you can. And so you will get the, the higher reply rate. So you can make the business actually, you don't have enough time to send it one by one, by one because it will take you hours and days and weeks and it's a very hard job. So you, you need to concentrate in your business, how to grow it and not just sending emails manually. And this is what we created basically. So people can make it easily, very fast and reach out thousands of stores in a couple of, yeah. And, and concentrate and to be concentrated in their business in the growth of their business, not a manual technical work. Understood. Yeah. So that's the argument for using software, which makes sense. In other words, your answer is just, it's a numbers game. It's not really about particularly targeting anything. So when we get in touch with them, presumably the actual messaging has to be really important. And Taylor, it'd be great to get your input here as well. What is it that we're going to say to these people that are going to cause them to actually respond to an email from somebody they've never heard of probably, and, and which they probably get hundreds of similar emails a week? How do so we get around trying, that? Yeah, we're always trying to shoot an email to the right person. Not necessarily that's what would happen. Sometimes it's going to be next to the person that we're looking for. For instance, if I'm selling toys and I somehow sent an email to a home decoration buyer, so I'm going to hope that he's going to, you know, forward that to the toys buyer. But then as long as I'm on that area, I'm good. But if I'm sending toys, to a buyer, which is from, let's say, whatever, gas station, chain stations, okay? Obviously, they don't sell toys, so what are you sending here? It's not the right contact. That's number one. Number two, after you are trying to narrow down and making it more uh, precise, uh, you want to show them in a very quick brief that you understand their language, that you know what they're expecting. So there's, you wouldn't mention keywords like discount, off price, or quality. Now, best quality, good quality, those are terms that nobody wants to hear in the written space. Okay. Nobody wants to hear because they've been hearing this for like millions of times. What they do want to hear is terms that are related with your brands in terms of how trendy it is, how cool it is, how innovative it is, how is it redefining that subcategory and so forth. Those are good keywords. Plus you cannot send, you can, but it's not good to send for instance, attachments. So if you want to send a file to show the pictures or catalog, then you'd rather 
drop it on a Google Drive and send it to them by that. By the way, if you do that with Dropbox, you're going to have a problem with some of them because people don't, are not aware of that. But most of the big companies in the States, at least, they don't have access to Dropbox because they don't have Dropbox accounts, Google Drive. Plus, on, on small nuances on Dropbox, if you want to open a link, you always have to have to follow a few clicks before that saying that you're using a free account or whatever. So anyways, keywords and the right text and try to make it clean, clear, and short is very important because as more as you say, as less attention as you get, less is more. That's how we call it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So lots and lots of, of good things there. So get it to the right person. So you understand their language. Yeah. Don't mention the word quality. I think there are certain Google advertising things. And I think on Amazon, actually, if you use the word best now, your listing could get suspended because it's just meaningless, isn't it? Because everyone says it. Uh, anyways, it's terrible marketing in all contexts, but perhaps B2B is even worse. I don't know. Yeah. Clean and short. And uh, yeah, you, the nice hint about uh, Dropbox, by the way. Nice little hack there. Yeah. Don't use Dropbox. It's all Google Drive. Tell me then, and, and maybe Danny, you can speak to this. How do we actually end up targeting the right person? That seems to be a real key. If you're in quite a biggest organization, if it goes to the toys person, you're selling toys, then they might have a vague flicker of interest and you have a, a chance. If it goes to the, the person that deals with stationery, then you've lost. So how do we try and fine tune that email or that targeting of the person? So it is a very good question. Basically, if you approach small stores, family stores that consist of three, four or five people that own this uh, small chain, it's very simple. You can, you can approach the CEO or the owner. So it's small stores, small kind of chain. So this is fine to approach the CEO, but. In big chains, I don't know, Macy's, let's take an example. You need to approach the right, the right person that will probably buy yeah, your products. And if you are in the office, office, you need to approach the right buyer. Or if you are in the, I don't know, pet category, you need to approach the right buyer. So this is like the differences. If it's small businesses, you can approach all the people inside the business. They will forward between them. Or if it's a big chain, you need to approach the right person that will yeah. And how do you find that buyer then? So you're on their website. Do you look at the org chart? What, what is the actual way to do? That? If it's again, if it's a small stores, a small chain, so it will be probably the email of the owner or, or the contact us will be in the page of contact us and probably the owner will get the email. But if it's Macy's, it will be hard to find the emails on the website because the website is huge. So if you do it manually, it will be hard. Yeah. Okay. You can go to LinkedIn, maybe you can find by LinkedIn and then maybe social media, maybe on the website, somewhere deep inside the website. So mm. it will take some time. Yeah. You got to do some digging. And by the way, that brings up the other question, which is, should you be approaching Macy's or, or small uh, companies? I'm presuming that smaller companies are going to be a lot easier to persuade. They're more likely to buy, but there'll be smaller orders. But what's your take on that? And again, Taylor, you might have some thoughts on this as well, but either of you, how do we make that decision where to even begin, which companies to target? Here's the thing. You want to go, you can go and Google like what different chain stores or businesses there are there. And now we are talking about retailers because it's like, um, something that I deal with, but if you, we can also discuss other kinds of industries. Like for instance, if you're selling uh, 3D rendering services, or if you're selling catalogs, e-catalogs, or if you're selling uh, restaurants menus, okay. Or if you're a designer, then you would want to go obviously to all the optional companies in the industry that might buy from you. 
Now, here's the thing. You have to understand that in the States, and it's more or less the same in other countries, but for sure in the States, there are several blocks, I would say, of industries. You have the e-commerce, which is containing obviously all the dot-com and Walmart and Amazon and so forth. And you have like special channels, TV and stuff like that, which is very hard to get through. And then you have the local or not local physical stores, which are the retailers, big boxes, small boxes. But then you also have a very big industry of importers, like a local importer in California, LA, sitting in his warehouse, importing a bunch of containers a month from, let's say, whatever, hygiene products uh, category, whatever it is. Those are also potential, you know, customers of yours if you're selling in that category, although they import themselves. Like local wholesalers are doing a lot of deals between themselves. Why am I giving this example is because even if you're a designer and you want to sell your artworks, then not necessarily you would go to design companies because they have designers, but you would go to places that would be, it would be useful for them to use your designs. For instance, if you are designing again, restaurants menu, then you can approach restaurants, but you can also approach hotels and you can also approach bars. And you can, you can think what are the other industries in the market. Plus, there's Wikipedia, and it's amazing how a lot of people are missing that huge tool called Wikipedia. Because if you click on Wikipedia on the search tab, department stores or retailers in the USA, you would get tons of different lists from different categories, which is amazing. Normally, people would look for Google and try to find like whatever websites that gives them this information. But... Other websites don't really give this information for, for sure, even if they don't give it pattern very well to certain industries and categories. So. Yeah, that's a nice hack. Yeah, Wikipedia is a place that I end up looking at a great deal of the time. It's almost become a sort of Google engine for very structured information, right? It's, it's more right. academic and it's, that's very helpful. Right. So I guess another question then, so Daniel, tell me about this. So if we're targeting companies, let's assume that we're in the e-commerce space and we're not going wildly outside that. Should we be targeting a big or small companies? Because it sounds like this big companies bring a lot of problems with them. Are difficult to get, obviously be very valuable if you can get them. But wh which size of companies should we be uh, targeting, first of all, and what's your thinking behind that? At, at the beginning, I, I would recommend to approach the small businesses, small companies to see how it works. If you First, if you like this business model, because it's something new, it's not like uh, selling on Amazon and you will get notification for each sale on your app. It doesn't work like that. You need to, to make like phone calls all the time. You need to make Zoom calls. You need to make communication by email. It's a little bit different. The business model is different. So this is what you need to consider when you are going to, to do that. It's something new. And I would start with small companies, small businesses. And if you like it, and if you don't, if you want to grow and if you go to, and if you want to like expand your business like super strong, super fast, yeah, I would approach the, the big chains. Okay. Interesting. That makes a, a lot of sense. Tyler, any other thoughts on that question? Yeah. It all depends in, in the structure of your business. If you are, if you're on a, on, on a scale that you're selling whatever thousands a month, you would not want to go to a company like TJ Maxx, which has 4,000 stores in the States because yeah, you would get few hundred as a test order, but then the next question they ask you, if it sells good is how many can you bring us a month? And you don't want to say 5,000, right? So in that case, you'd rather go to a company like Bills of Florida, for instance, which has only 500 stores. 
So they don't have the volume that TJ Maxx has, all right? Like, what are you capable of doing? How many pieces are you capable of supplying a month? Not only yourself, but also your manufacturer, because most of us are not the end manufacturers. We are relying on whatever Chinese or Indian or whatever uh, uh, manufacturers out there. And sometimes I've been living in China for seven years, and I know that sometimes you come with big orders and they say, mate, it's going to take us four months and you need it within a month. But then, hey, we didn't thought about it, but eventually the manufacturer has some kind of abilities of capacity that they can provide us a month. So you have to think about those things, but it's not a big deal because at the end of the day, if you did approach TJ and all of a sudden they came with a huge order, then those are, you know, it's people behind those emails. It's not just machines. Those are real people and they understand businesses. So they would might, they might come up and say, all right, so let's, let's split the order to a few small orders to make it more comfortable. Another good example I can give you is with Costco. Everybody knows Costco. Now, if you go to Costco, the first, one of the first, <coughs> sorry, one of, oh my, oh my point. One of the first questions that they ask you when you, when you do the setup, the vendor setup with them is what is your annual profit, not profits, annual growth. They ask you that because they have a rule. They cannot give you order of more than 20% out of that number, which means if you're selling for $10 million, for a million dollars, for instance, then maximum you're going to get at that calendar year, $200,000 of an order. Okay. So why they do that? Because from the same reason of what I'm talking about, they want to keep it safe. They don't want you as a small business to jump too high, but yeah, that's only for Costco. Others are not doing that. Yeah, but that, that sounds like a good rule of thumb that Costco, probably from bitter experience, have probably got these very cool trending products. They've asked for a hundred thousand, uh, five hundred thousand, a million dollars worth for some tiny business, and and then the business has probably failed to deliver. So that sounds like a very good rule of thumb for us to bear in mind as well. And obviously, we're going to discuss in a, a separate episode about how to negotiate once you manage to get through to somebody and and get onto a sales call or some description. But for the moment, that's a, a very uh, few bits of common sense about who you should approach and who you shouldn't. And it sounds like it comes back to that old thing, which is just start small when it's new. So Daniel, your, your simple advice there. So tell us a little bit about any business. Obviously it is a, a thing that sounds like a lot of manual work. So any business, obviously when you give a, to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So somebody with a software development background, then they think, oh, manual task that's repetitive. I must create software for this. So what does any biz solve for us from these problems? What does it do for a us if we're going to do this okay this model. great so it solve all all the manual tasks you just you, you can think about first is to collect the emails then to verify them then to write the right message then to warm up your emails because warm up is very important for deliverability but it's another thing whatever you can think about in emails anybody's will solve it and make it like very easy for you i can show you it's super easy super fast it will write for you the message even or suggest you some messages. So it will, you will get the highest chance for, for a reply. And the first thing you need to get is the reply. I'm interested in your product. I'm interested to, to learn more. And from that point, you need to like to act as a salesperson. So all the technical things you need to forget about it. You need to, to concentrate in sales and growth in your company as an Amazon seller, but all the rest, enemies will make it for you. 
Yeah, and the deliverability piece as well is not a small thing, is it? Because I know we talked off air that the deliverability on a, a Gmail, a lot of it's going to get deleted by Gmail these days. A lot of it's going to be seen as spam, maybe 30, 40%. And I believe that yours is going to, your spam rate's going to be a lot lower. It's going to, the deliverability is a lot higher. So it sounds like a very technical thing, but actually it's really important, isn't it? I, I know that from cold email marketing myself that there's lots of things out there. You can use something like Lemwarm or whatever, but then you've got to try and plug that into your existing CRM and it gets complicated. So it's nice to have that in one place. Right. Good. So really, this is going to neatly bring us to the next point where we've actually got to have some sales chops, which we'll talk about in our next episode. But if people want to go and get a free trial of AnyBiz, if you go to amazingfba.com forward slash AnyBiz, that's A-N-Y-B-I-Z or Z, uh, you can check out the the software for yourself. And I think it's really a great opportunity that people should explore more often myself. I've seen my clients with the right kind of products and the right kind of person um, do really well with business to business, but it's not very common. And I do believe that there are a lot of people who've worked incredibly hard on creating a really beautiful product that may well be retail ready. And uh, if they can find a leveraged way of using their time, should be exploring this. So this is something I would encourage a lot of people to at least explore, uh, even if they decide it's not for them. Because uh, a lot of people just dismiss it without even exploring it mentally, I think. Any final questions that I could, I should have asked you chaps that, that you want to answer? Uh, just a comment from my side. When I was a kid, when I was young, not a kid, but a boy, I used to think that the best thing on earth would be part of the fun club of Metallica. Now I think I'm going to create Anybiz fan, fan club because what I'm seeing with Anybiz is literally amazing. The whole process that we spoke about earlier of how the Dutch based companies, how to solve the category, how to find all these things, this is time consuming, like insanely. It's, I, I cannot even tell you how time consuming it is. I had a bunch of team working only on that. And when you go to Anybiz and it's doing everything for you, literally finding your category, finding the country, finding the playlist, giving you the contact, sending the emails for you while everything is, this is the, I think the most user-friendly software I've ever seen. And I've seen softwares and I've seen a lot of stuff, hot emails, cold emails, but this is something totally different. This is like changing the game for a lot of people that is using it. And the first of, of all those people is me. <laughs> I've been using it for like less than five months by now and I'm seeing like miracles in my business. So, yeah. Amazing. And uh, could you put any numbers on those miracles? Yeah, I can give you numbers. Listen, I used to be in touch until somewhere in November, end of November last year with approximately 500 buyers on my circle, close buyers. And it took me a hell of a lot of time to get those contacts built. Some of them I know in person, some of them I know from other orders, other companies, whatever it is. But buyers, when I say a contact, not necessarily buyer, it could be sourcing manager or whatever title, but those individuals are all considered as my close circle because I can always touch base them and they will always answer. Me. Even if it's a no or yes, they will answer me. Now, what happened since I'm using Anybase is I added another 600 buyers that I'm in touch with all of them and they are on the same level as my personal contacts. Okay, so I don't know personally them. I just started a bunch of orders with some of them, which is great. But I see how it's built and I have a very short history with retail of 20 years. So I know how to identify who is it going to be a long lasting relationship and who is going to be like a small order and goodbye. 
Now I'm considering this 600 as close because I see how the communication with them goes. I'm not counting another, I don't know, 1500 or more that I'm in, in touch with and I'm getting replies from any base because I see that the vibe there is not something I can build. It's only if they need me for this season, they might take me and that's it. Not more than that. Okay. So numbers <laughs> for me, they are doubled. In terms of an income, it's not doubled yet because it takes time to build and get purchase orders from retailers. It's not something you do overnight or over a month. It's, it's a process. But then once I doubled my structure, more than doubled, it means that I am expecting to double my income as well within 2022. I don't that's, know. I don't know numbers. Powerful. Maybe you do. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know your numbers, but that's, I mean, that's pretty powerful. The Omicron, like it's so fast. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. That's another question. But yeah, so certainly that's a, a ringing endorsement of the software from somebody who's, you know, gone through the process manually for years. So very powerful. One final question is, can somebody who's doing a, a sort of flip the, the buying structure on its head somebody who's sourcing products from existing brands so wholesale sourcing modern reselling could those people use any biz to find people to to sell them products can you michael repeat sorry try to get this clear so quite a lot of resellers um don't do retail arbitrage or online arbitrage they have online ongoing relationships with wholesale providers of product and they then sell it to business to business on amazon or on their own site so they are retailers themselves and they're buying from people at wholesale. So for people like that, so I suppose it's traditionally called wholesale sourcing for Amazon sellers. So people in that position, are they able to use any biz? Could it be tweaked to, to work for those guys as well? Yeah, why not? Why yeah. not? Another good thing about any biz that it's not just looking for emails in a specific category. You also can upload websites and like just paste the URL of, of the business. And it will find all the emails under this URL. If there is a website or some business that you want to approach and we don't have the emails of this, you just copy and paste the URL and we'll find all the emails. So it will show the time you're searching and it's very easy. Yeah, it sounds like it's a very broad, any business to business, whether it's uh, in the, what we were talking about as a use case was basically, and what you designed it for, was for people with existing products of brand owners going out and finding retailers, big box retailers, small box retailers to sell their products to. But at the flip side, the other way around, like people who are uh, online retailers themselves and buying at wholesale could also use it. So very interesting, broad, broad based tool there uh, by the sound of it. We must uh, wrap up there because I want to get on to how we negotiate in the business to business communications and sales. That's an interesting whole area and a skill set that for most of us is not a comfort zone but for a moment it just remains for me to say I, I would suggest that everyone consider this business model and if you're going to do it or you're doing it anybiz um, is going to be interesting so amazingfba.com forward slash anybiz to get a free trial and many thanks gents for coming on the show and, and opening our eyes to this interesting business model out there Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.